Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Eastside Church Online. We are so excited that you are here this morning. My name is Preston. I'm one of the pastors here at Eastside. And as always, it's good to be together this morning. I'm joined by my good friend, Malik. Hey. Hello, Malik. Good to see you today, as always. Man, wherever you're joining us, whether it's from the area or around the world, we are so excited that you are here with us this morning. And today's a very special day. Malik, why don't you jump over here and tell us what today is? Well, it's not my birthday. It is coming up, though. All right, that was bad. That was a bad one. I'm sorry. It's Palm Sunday. <laughs> I apologize. The intrusive thought won with that. Forgive me. Amen. But it is Palm Sunday, so that's fun. So we're celebrating Jesus riding into Jerusalem. So that's a fun thing. Also, yeah. another fun thing, says the, the last week of our Daily Hope devotionals. It's not too late to sign up. So yeah. if you want to sign up, the, the <clears throat> sorry, the, this the, is why I direct, because I clearly can't. Were you going to say something sense. about the link? Yeah, the link will be in the <laughs> chat. <laughs> on Facebook go. and Church Online. That too. <laughs> yeah, and it's under the resource tab. You probably knew this. It's on the resource tab too, on the, on the, on the church website. Yeah. Malik, you are brilliant, and you make me seem like I really know what I'm doing. I appreciate that about no, you. No, you're doing great. You, can, you you do a great job every time. I just yes. make a clown out of myself. Well, okay. you know, it's both of us. Hey, here's the thing. Mm. It is Palm Sunday. We're so excited that you're here for Palm Sunday, and we are celebrating Jesus yes. coming into Jerusalem, um, his followers, uh, with this idea in mind that he is the king. Now, granted, they did not know all that was to come, uh, but we do, right? We know that this is the mark of, of the start of Holy Week, right, where Jesus just some amazing things over the course of this next week, next week leading up to his death um, on the cross, but also ultimately his resurrection on Easter, which is next Sunday, by the yes. way. Yeah, don't forget that. Uh, Easter is next Sunday. Um, but uh, there's some wonderful things happening in the life of the church that we wanted to tell you about. This Thursday is uh, Maundy Thursday, and we're going to have a, a special experience here at the church where uh, we're going to dive into uh, the Last Supper, what that looks like, what Jesus did with his disciples during that Passover celebration where he literally reframed the beauty of that Passover celebration um, for us um, for all time, honestly. Uh, so if you haven't been a part of something like that before, it's really engaging, really um, just interesting uh, to explore all the meaning and symbolism there. But uh, we'd love for you to be here six o'clock on campus uh, this coming Thursday. But Malik, Thank you for Ain't all no you problem. do to direct this thing. Why don't you jump over there and get ready to uh, direct the rest of this thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing, man. There's so many wonderful things happening around Eastside this week um, leading up to Easter. Um, so get engaged. Get connected. Um, you have questions about what that looks like, let me know. I'd love to help you uh, connect in that way. Um, as always, uh, the devotionals are going to be in the chat. Get signed up. For it. It's the last week uh, to help prepare our hearts for Easter um, it's been a great journey um, leading up to this week, and we, we would love for you to join us for this last week of it. Um, if you have any prayer requests, fill out that Connect form. You can let me know there uh, ways that we as a congregation can be joining you in prayer. Um, but whatever the case may be, we are so thankful that you are here with us this morning uh, to celebrate Jesus as the King of Kings. So um, if you have questions or if you want to connect, I will look forward to connecting with some of you today in the chat.
Good morning, Eastside. What a wonderful day to be alive. Can we stand in reverence to God as we worship him and give him the praise? He's the only God, wise God, that can do anything but fail. So we're going to worship him and sing Just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one this morning that I will believe for greater things there's no power like the power of Jesus let faith arise let all agree there's no power like the power of Jesus I will believe for greater things there's no power like the power of
said on this morning that God is the greatest power, and because of that, we'll never be defeated. So as we continue to sing to him and, and to worship him, if we can just lean into the fact that he does the impossible, that even miracles that he's worked in our own lives that we didn't see coming, that he worked miracles, and that we can tell someone else that we've witnessed it, that we've witnessed his goodness, that we've witnessed his mercy, his grace, his long-suffering. God, we thank you. We thank you so much. We'll tell it everywhere we go. When I was lost and all alone, your presence was where I found home. You were there and you're here right now. And every high and every low, you never left me without hope. You were good and you're good right now. I've witnessed your faith. I'll see it again and again. You're good. 
such a wonderful song. I love the lyrics of that song that says, your promises never fail. And because of that, I have stories to tell. And I don't know about you or what you've experienced in your life, but in my life, I've experienced God make ways out of no ways and create paths and, and part Red Seas and, and fulfill promises and watch and, and trap the mouth of the lion as my protection or when the furnace has gone up, he's protected me and was there all along. And this next song just speaks of that, that the God that has been in the Bible and, and caused things to come to fruition with Jacob, with David, with Moses, with all these familiar names, that he's the same God that works in our lives even now. And his desire um, is to work through us so that his will can be done in the earth. So as we sing this next song, we just want to declare that he's the same God. Does anybody believe that on this morning? Just he's the same God. That he's just not a character in a book, uh, but he is living and breathing and dwells among us. God, we thank you. We worship you. We honor you in this place. Thank you, Father. You are alive and well. You are alive and well. Hallelujah. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling on the God of Moses the one who parted the ocean I need you now to do the same thing for me for me
in this place and we're not ashamed we're not afraid we're not hesitant but we declare that we need you and that you long to be in relationship with your children and you long for us to just declare and, and confess that we are your children so we are your children God, and we your people we're the sheep of your pasture and so God as we pray and in this moment, but never from your presence. God, would you show us this week in special ways? Would you give us a wink, a nudge, a nod to just remind us that you are for us, that you are with us, not against us, and that you are the same God. <laughs> same God. The God that created the universe, but so grand, such a grand thing, but also the God that knows every single hair on our head. 
You know us intimately, and you love us completely. So, God, we thank you. We love you. We appreciate you, and forever we will worship you. In Jesus' name. Good morning, Eastside. We are so glad to worship with you today. Is this your first time joining us on campus? If so, we have a gift for you. That's right. Just fill out our short connect form, which you can find by scanning the QR code here on the screen or on the back of the chair in front of you. Once you've filled out that form, you'll find your gift at the info area in the connecting place. And if you're not sure where that is, just look for someone wearing one of these lanyards and they can help you find it. If you're online, we want to hear from you too. Just follow the connect link provided in the chat. Now, on to the announcements. Are you new to Eastside and looking to learn more? Then make plans to join us on April 23rd at noon for our welcome lunch. You can sign up on the Eastside app or the website for this free lunch where you can connect with some of our pastors and learn more about Eastside. We'll see you there. On Sunday, April 16th from 8 a.m. to noon, the Bloodmobile will be back in the parking lot to take donations. You can sign up through the Eastside app or on our website to donate blood. This afternoon at 4 p.m., the Concerned Ministers of Anderson are hosting the 43rd annual Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. service at Bethesda Missionary Baptist Church. Make plans to join us as we celebrate the life of Martin Luther King Jr. This week, as we prepare for Easter, we invite you to join us for our Holy Week festivities. On Thursday, April 6th, we will host the Chosen People, who will walk us through the Messiah and the Passover as a part of our Monday Thursday service. We'll provide childcare for those who are five and under. So make plans to join us here at 6 p.m. to learn more about the Jesus and the tradition of the Passover. Then on Friday, April 7th, we are hosting the Concerned Ministers of Anderson and Christian Clergy Association of Anderson, who will be leading a Good Friday service here at noon. We'll see you there. Next Sunday, we celebrate how Jesus conquered sin and death to set us free and give us hope. As always, we will have our Easter services at 9.15 and 10.45 with children's programming as well. We will even have a professional photographer on hand to snap some fun family photos of you in your Easter best. We encourage you to invite your friends, family, and even your neighbors to join us for worship during our normal service times. We have Easter invitations and even yard signs available today in the connecting place. If you haven't already signed up to receive our Discover Hope devotions, it's not too late. Head to es.church slash signups to request the devotion will be emailed to you every morning. You can also pick up a printed copy at the info area. Each devotional will offer a chance to reflect on scripture and a soul training exercise to move your faith into action. If you would like to support the ministries of Eastside both here and around the world, you can give through our Eastside app or our website es.church give. If you're on campus, there are also boxes in the back of the worship center to drop off cash or checks. Thank you so much for your contribution to the mission and the work of the Holy Spirit through Eastside. If you're interested in learning more about anything we've discussed, just visit our website, es.church, or download our Eastside app. You can also click the continue button in the chat if you're online. Be sure to check us out on the socials. We're on Instagram at es.church and Facebook at Eastside Church of God Anderson. And don't forget to scan that QR code and fill out our connect form. Have a great week, Eastside. That was my line. No, it's my line. It's in the script. No, it's mine. Well, we are glad to have you here with us in worship, whether you're with us on campus or online today. Uh, we pray that you will experience Jesus Christ and already have begun to experience him as we worship together. 
this Thursday night is an important night. Um, the, the Chosen People is an organization made up of individuals who, by genealogy, by blood type, by heritage, are Jewish, but who by faith are followers of Jesus Christ. And what they do is that they come into congregations like ours where many people are not of a Jewish background, and they help us gain a perspective. They help us gain a perspective about what was really going on in the Passover. If you remember, you can go this week to John chapter 13, and you can begin to read what happened that night before Jesus was crucified, when he gathered the disciples in the upper room to to partake in the Passover meal. And that's really what we're going to do, not a full meal, but there will be a presentation of each of the elements of the Passover meal. And the reason I want to encourage you to come Thursday night and join us is because until you, until you see the Passover meal, which the Jewish nation celebrated for thousands of years without ever understanding the symbolism that God had already placed within it about who the Messiah would be and how the Messiah would fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament. Until you see that through the eyes of someone who has, who has been raised in that tradition and now has found faith in Jesus Christ, and they now see that things they've looked at for a long time in one way were actually trying to tell something else. Well, you see, the Passover meal in the Jewish faith is a history. It's a, a, a gratitude for all that God has done in the past. And it looks to the future. But for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, and particularly for those who've been raised in a Jewish heritage and now have come to faith in Jesus Christ, now suddenly it is not just a meal about the past, and it's not just a meal about the future. It's a meal about the present. It's a different perspective. Perspective is huge. As a pastor, I, I've, I've noticed over the years how oftentimes my perspective as a pastor is different from the perspective of people in our congregation. Because see, uh, the larger your congregation grows, the, the more perspective as a pastoral staff you, you have to have over the different areas. But, but people, most people, in fact, I would dare say almost all people in local congregations are, uh, they have a perspective from one viewpoint of the congregation, their viewpoint. Uh, and, and sometimes those perspectives uh, fail to show us all what is really happening in the wider body of Christ. For instance, one of the things uh, that we're learning about in the last few years is that there's an online community and that there's the on-campus community. And those of you who are on campus seldom, if ever, see those who are online. And those of you who are online seldom, if ever, see those who are here on campus. And sometimes when a limited perspective takes over, you begin to really believe that what's happening in your world is exactly what should be happening in all the rest of the world. This was made clear to me a few years ago when I was pastoring in Daytona Beach, Florida, before I came here. As a part of that ministry in that church, um, the, there was a, a large, rather large Christian school. It was a, it was a great school. Uh, the enrollment was somewhere between five and 600 kids, depending on the year, K through 12. And uh, the academic process was such that our, our graduates had a 98% acceptance rate into college. Our ACT and SAT scores were the highest in Volusia County, Florida in those days. I don't know what they are now, but I assume they're still there. 
But here's what I know. Sometimes the people who were in the school or the people who were in the church had a perspective, but it didn't include the entire perspective. It became very apparent to me one, one Monday morning when a teacher showed up in my office and she was irate. She was there because as the pastor of the church, I was also president of the school. And she was going straight past the dean and straight past the principal and straight past the headmaster to the top of the food chain. And she wanted to see, she wanted to see the pastor. And so she showed up in my office and, and I looked at her and I'm like, so how can I help you? She said, you need to know what happened this morning. I said, what happened this morning? She said, well, I, I showed up early to teach my to teach, get my classroom ready. I, I was here an hour before anybody else today. I said, well, thank you for being that dedicated. That's wonderful. And she goes, well, you're not gonna think it's so wonderful after I tell you what I found. I said, well, what did you find? She said, well, when I was coming through the campus, our, our, our facility was in a campus, and, and there were multiple buildings, a couple of hundred thousand, 200,000 square feet, actually, of, of buildings, had two gyms and, and all of these classrooms. I'm in the elementary section. And you know where the, the two elementary buildings are connected by a crosswalk? As I came around the corner, I'm, I hear something from the crosswalk, and I look up, and there's this woman, and she's raising her hands, and she's singing the worst song I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, was it bad words? Oh, no, it was just bad music. I mean, the words were about Jesus. And I looked up, and I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm just praising God. She said, Pastor, I yelled at her and said, hey, get down off of there. We got little children to educate. Go praise God somewhere else. I'm like, oh, can you describe the lady to me? Because the church is located on US-1, and you get lots of people on US-1 from lots of places uh, all over the world. And, I, and, and she, said, uh, she said, well, yes, yeah, so she's about four foot ten, gray matted hair. Um, and the closer I got to her, the stronger the smell of cheap perfume. And her makeup was all kind of gaudy and everything. And I looked at her and I said, oh, that's Carol. She said, that's Carol? I said, she said, you know her? I said, oh, yeah. So let me tell you Carol's story. See, Carol was a pastor's wife in Jacksonville when she was younger. And somehow in her world, things began to fall apart. She, she began to suffer from mental illness. Her husband was from a faith group that, that believed only in faith healing. They didn't believe in, in counseling. They didn't believe in medical help. They didn't believe in prescription medicines for, for things. It, it was, he was absolutely at one point convinced she was demon-possessed. And, 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 and he just kept trying. They prayed for her. They prayed. And, and finally, after a few years, it was, he, she became such an embarrassment to him as a pastor that he drove her from Jacksonville down here to US-1 and gave her 20 bucks and told her bye. I said, I, I met Carol within a few weeks of becoming pastor here because sometimes Carol can't pay her rent and we're not really even sure how she gets money. There have been some rumors about some things that she might be doing that are not real good, but Sometimes when she runs out of money to buy a room to stay in, she has found a way to sneak into the church and she lives out of one of the closets. Pastor, we got a homeless person living in the, in the church. I said, well, she's safe. 
Well, she didn't look safe to me this morning. I said, well, she's safe. And I said, and you were probably right to ask her to take her dance party somewhere else. <laughs> but, but can I ask you to, and, and the longer we talked, this woman who entered my office, irate, who, by the way, was a great woman. She taught first graders for over 30 years. Anybody teaches first graders for 30 years? There's a special place in heaven for them. I'm just going to let you know. Don't, it's only surpassed by people who teach seventh grade boys for that. All right? Seventh grade boys for 30 years. I'm not sure. I, there's a place in heaven I know for that. All right. But, but I think her room is right next to it, and I think they both have the most luxurious places in heaven. I'll just let you know. But the longer we talked, the more I could see her spirit change. And um, I tell you that story today because at the end of it, she said, well, how come I didn't know about this? I said, because you're not the pastor. And Carol's not gonna tell you the story because you're gonna tell her to run away. And the fact of the matter is, there are people in this church who are working with her. Oh, good. So imagine my pastoral heart the next Sunday morning when I stepped into the sanctuary and looked and to my right near the back where that first grade teacher always sat with her group of friends, there was a new face in the crowd. Carol, who normally sat in the balcony in the back row, had been found and brought to the main floor. And she was seated with that first grade teacher and her family. And they became fast friends. I tell you that story because this morning is Palm Sunday. And the story of Palm Sunday is a story of perspective. See, we, all these years later, we we read this perspective of, of Jesus and the palm branches and, and the parade going into town and, and we miss because we, because we have heard it, we've seen it, we've, we've watched it on television, we've heard preachers talk about it, but because we weren't raised Jewish, because we only have one perspective, we often miss the wider perspective and not just that, but within the story itself, there are at least three or four different perspectives on what was going on. So for those of you who don't know the story, or those of us who think we know it, but we don't have the total perspective, listen as I read for you from Luke's account. Now, the story is in all four of the Gospels. I'm reading Luke's account because there's one particular thing Luke uses, an, an Old Testament passage that he uses that no one else uses as they tell the story. Uh, Luke records it in the 19th chapter of his Gospel, starting in the 28th verse. And what, what's going on is that Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. It's Passover week. It's what we now refer to as Holy Week as evangelicals and, and as followers of Jesus, not because of, not, because of the, not because of Easter, that's what we do, but for Jesus in the first century, it was Passover. It was the celebration of the birth of Israel, the rescue of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And people were coming, quite honestly, the crowds in Jerusalem would swell into the millions during this week. And so Jesus and his disciples are coming up from Jericho. And as they top a hill near the Mount of Olives, 
this road begins to wind down across the Kidron Valley and up into the city of Jerusalem. Listen. When Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as, as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on the colt. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he, they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Jesus is headed into Jerusalem, declaring himself by his actions in this story as the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. But the declaration that he makes, while it is in alignment with Zephaniah 9.9 in the Old Testament, where it talks about the fact that the Messiah will come as the Messiah and a king of peace, riding on a young donkey colt that's never been ridden, when, when, it, when it is in alignment with the prophecies of the Messiah as a suffering servant, all of those things that are there in the Old Testament, while, while what Jesus is doing matches every bit of that, the fact of the matter is it matched none of what the people in Jerusalem expected. They expected a political revolutionary. They expected a military conquest. They expected someone who would, who would come in, who would conquer Rome, throw Rome out of Israel, and set up the kingdom for the whole world in Israel. And they were waiting for it. In fact, some of them had trained all of their lives as zealots to be able to be a part of the army that would take that out. They were teaching someday all the trouble will go away. Someday, we're going to rule the world. Someday, all of our oppression will cease. Someday, the Messiah is showing up, and he will come riding into Jerusalem with an army behind him, and he will come riding into Jerusalem on a white horse to set the world right. And Jesus? J Jesus was riding a donkey. <laughs> Not just a donkey, but a donkey colt that had never been broken, that had never been ridden, that had never been domesticated. And, and people are calling him the Messiah. It's a different perspective. And when I, I share that with you this morning because here's what I know. Some things I think, some things I know. I know that Jesus Christ is here today, whether you're with us on campus or online, that, that he's here to give you 
a new perspective. And that Palm Sunday is not just a day to, to wave palm branches and have children parade around the building and sing songs about Jesus. No, no, it's a day to gain a perspective. That's what the story's about. But how do you discover hope? Discover hope that changes the way you praise, that, that takes your praise away from being just about your emotions, but to the way that you live. Because you see, my, my friend Carol, who danced on the crosswalk between the two buildings, she was praising out of what she had, which was little or nothing. But it was a beautiful Florida sunny day, and she was thankful to be alive and thankful to be loved by some people, and so she was just praising God. But my first grade teacher friend, she was also praising God. Because you see, praise is not just what you say. It's not just the emotions you demonstrate. It's not just the songs you sing. One of the great disservices we've done to ourselves at the church is create the term praise and worship. <laughs> because I've got to tell you, praise is the way you live. Now, I'm not going to stop praise and worship, and I invite you anytime you're here, and if you want to praise and raise your hands, or you want to shout hallelujah, that's fine. I will tell you, if you start saying amen in my sermons, I will preach longer. So some of you might want to like nudge the guy who says amen next to you and say, shh, no, lunch is coming, all right? But what I'm telling you is that praise is more than your words. And praise is more than your emotions. And praise is more than something you feel when you're excited. No, no, praise is your life. And discovering hope in the way that you live, whether you're a servant-hearted person like that first grade teacher or whether you're someone who has the blessing of bringing joy into every place you are, or maybe you do both. Discovering hope in a world that is hurting and someone who's been through the stuff Carol had been through, the abandonment, the rejection, the alienation from her husband, the pastor. Mental illness, questions, homelessness. So some, or you're someone who's, who's not down and out, but you're up and out. You've accomplished more than you ever dreamed. You've got more resources than you ever imagined you would have, and yet your soul is still empty. You found the right person, and your heart goes thump, thump every time you see them, and you're, you're in love, and, you're, and yet sometimes in the middle of the night, you still wonder, do they really love me? See, perspective. Perspective about who Jesus is changes our perspective about the whole world. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus was all about changing perspective. First of all, let's, let's just clarify something. This part of the story has always amazed me. Jesus tells two disciples, as they're already near Jerusalem, hey, we're coming up on this village. Go into the next village, and you'll find a young donkey colt. And when you find it, you bring it to me. Now, Jesus is an itinerant teacher. He's not from that village. He's not from that region. And yet he tells two of his disciples, hey, guys, I want you to go into the village and get the donkey colt. Now, their, their normal reaction would be the same thing as, like, if we were driving, let, let's say you're going with me, we're going on a trip, we're going to Detroit, all right? And we get to the outer, outer suburbs of Detroit, and I say, hey, you know what, I'm going to pull over here um, I'm going to go to Starbucks, which is going to kill me because I don't drink coffee. 
but I'll get you whatever coffee you want and get me one of those fruity drinks, all right? And, 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 and then, but while I'm in here, listen, I need you to walk across the street because we're going to a church for a revival service tonight and, and I need, I really need a new sport coat. So just go in there and tell them, Pastor Kerry says, give me a sport coat. How many of y'all gonna make that trip? How many of y'all are gonna go, oh, excuse, uh, Pastor, you go get your own coat, okay? <laughs> Jesus says, look, we're going to the village. I want you to go in. Now, here's why I'm telling you, like, that cult was a part of their livelihood. To own, in fact, did you hear it when I read it? They, when the owners came out, the owners, they, the owners is plural in the text. Because most likely, the people in that village owned that cult together. That, that, that sense in which this is a part of their livelihood. And so these guys are being asked to go. And, and for years, I'd read that story and I'd think, wow, what a faith statement. It only was recently when I realized, no, Jesus already knew those people. <laughs> that phrase, the Lord has need of it. I had all these mystical things. No, no, listen, that's a password. <laughs> the password is, hey, the, the master needs it. The Lord has need of it. And so they go in. And did you hear, hear the way Luke writes it? They found it just as the Lord told them it would be. None of this surprised Jesus. Here's, here's why. You see, when, when, we, when we really discover hope in the midst of our praise, when we gain a bigger perspective, then what happens is this. We discover hope that begins with acknowledging the preparation that Jesus has already made in our life. When we start, we start acknowledging he's already been at work. For some of you, you're in new places. You've got new things happening in your life. And you've got to understand, God has already been preparing you for that. He's already been preparing those people. He's already, God is a sovereign God. You give him control of your life. And you give him every aspect. Nothing surprises him. He is always ready. He's preparing you. He's preparing you for what he wants to do in your life. And when they get there and they do what they've been asked to do because they are following Jesus, then the people look at him and say, why are you taking our colt? Why are you taking this? They bring a different perspective. The Lord has need of it. Jesus has already prepared. He's already prepared them for it. Uh, look at the scripture again. And when Jesus said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And so it had been prepared. You have been prepared. God is preparing what you need for the hope you don't have. If you're here today, if you're listening to us online and you're wondering how you're gonna make the next step, how you're gonna make it through this, you've gotta know the God we serve, the God of the Bible is a God who has already prepared things you can't see. These disciples didn't know. 
but Jesus had already made arrangements. Jesus is already there for you. Please hear me in that. He cares that much about you. He knows you that well. The other thing we've got to understand is that when Jesus brings that new perspective to us, it may be totally against everything we think we know. Remember, the disciples, they, they were Jewish men too. They had been raised in the same stories. They had been raised with the same expectations. But they had been watching Jesus now for several years. And they kept seeing Jesus do things that were different than what they expected. And yet, and yet they kept asking Jesus. I mean, even after Jesus is crucified, buried, resurrected, shows himself to them, read the book of Acts sometime. Lord, is that when the kingdom's coming? They were still, they were still not grasping the reality. Jesus had brought an entirely different idea of the kingdom. And it started right there in that village. Because these men took the colt back with permission from the owners. They took their outer cloaks and they, they made a kind of makeshift saddle out of it because this donkey had never been ridden before. And then, and then they sat Jesus on it. They sat Jesus on the donkey. And then they began to take their cloaks off and they began to like put them down in front of the donkey. And I, I, for years I read and I thought, oh, isn't that nice? Okay. That's kind of like, okay, they're, they're making sure that he's, it's got a red carpet, just rolling out the red carpet for Jesus, going down. Now listen to me. To take your cloak off and put it in front of someone else, to let them walk on it, was a statement of submission. It was a statement of recognizing that the person you, you are you're submitting to is someone who has power you don't have. Is someone who has perspective you don't have. And so this whole parade starts with a group of men, the disciples, and some women who traveled with them, saying to Jesus as he's on a, a donkey colt, you are, you are the king. You are the one in charge. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, couple of different reasons. Number one, I told you Jesus had a different perspective. You had the Zechariah 9.9 passage about the Messiah, but you also have in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 33, when David is handing over the kingdom of Israel to his son Solomon, he tells the people in part of, who are responsible for what we would call the coronation, the crowning of, of Solomon as king, he says, listen, take my son and put him on a donkey colt. Take him down to the prophet's. And let the prophets anoint him. Let the prophets pray for him. Because you can't do this in political power. You can't do this in human wisdom. And when Solomon became king, you remember the prayer? God said, Solomon, you've been faithful here. What, what, is it that you, what is it that you want from me? Solomon says back to God, God, I just need one thing. I don't have enough wisdom to be king over Israel. So would you just give me wisdom? How do you think Solomon got wisdom? Because he was anointed as king with a servant heart. In his lifetime, he strayed from that. But in the beginning, he began as a person with a servant heart. Not just servant actions, 
See, sometimes we all in the church, we, we get all wrapped up in, in I, I serve here and I serve there and I do this and I do that. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your heart. That's why Solomon had enough wisdom when two women came to him with one baby because one of them's baby had died and the other one had exchanged the babies in the night. And they said, hey, hey, this, you know, they're arguing. And finally, Solomon looks and says, okay, fine, bring me a sword. We'll cut the baby in half. <laughs> and, and the one who was the child's real mother, who loved the child and wanted the child to live, that mother said, no, 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 she can have the child. I just want the child to live. The other one who had actually stolen the baby in the night said, okay, go ahead. Where did Solomon get the wisdom to call for the sword? When he rode a donkey to be anointed by the prophets? You see, Jesus is riding a donkey on Palm Sunday, not just to be a figurative thing, but to actually implement a kingdom of servant hearts. And the disciples are pulling off their cloaks and the other gospel writers, John tells us that some of them took, took palm branches, which was kind of a royal thing. But it's all about submission. And it's all about recognizing who Jesus really is. Because here's where the hope really comes from. Discovering hope that begins with this realization, this acknowledgement that Jesus is preparing things for us. D discovering hope demands, it causes us to recognize his presence in our life. To develop this ability to recognize who he is and why he's here and how much he loves us. Right now, I, I know, I know we're living in a world where people come into schools and shoot innocent children. I know we're living in a world where banks fail and people lose their income. I know we're living in a world where inflation is hard to control and people are working hard at it. I know we're living in a world where, where pornography has taken over the minds of, of people in so many ways. I know we're living in a world that has fallen and broken and going, as the vernacular would say, to hell in a handbasket. But I also know we have a savior. We have a king. We have a, a lover of our souls named Jesus who is riding a donkey and asking us, will you recognize me as king? Because that's what Luke does in, in, in this passage. And they brought the donkey to Jesus and throwing their coats on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You see, that, that's Psalm 118. That's where that phrase comes from. And Psalm 118 was not considered to be a messianic prophecy by the Pharisees and Sadducees. They didn't see Messiah as that. They saw Messiah as, as conqueror, as rescuer. But Psalm 118 is a place where we understand this, 
real Messiah, who Jesus really is, is he is the suffering servant. Because when we understand that Jesus has already been preparing for us to experience hope, when we understand that the praise that we give to him, whether it's verbally or physically or in our hearts, that that praise comes because his presence is with us. And we willingly submit to him and say, you know what, Jesus, here it is. Here's my life. Here's the way I'm going to live it. I'm going to live it the way you want me to live it. Then we can say with the crowd, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But not everybody has that perspective, do they? I read for you. There were some people who heard those words and they were not happy at all. Because you see, discovering hope allows us to live with this new perspective regarding Jesus. It allows us to understand and not everybody understands. In fact, one of the most memorable verses in all of scripture is the one that Luke gives next. And it's an interesting dialogue because while you've got his disciples and a growing crowd of, of Passover guests who've heard about the miracles and seen the miracles and heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead and people being able to walk who used to be lame and people being able to see who used to be blind and, and people who are just radically changed by Jesus throwing out the brokenness and the demonization of their hearts. And they're shouting, this is it. The Messiah has come. It doesn't look like what we expected, but he's here. There are some who are going, no, 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 no. We have to have what we expect. We have to have what we think is there. We have to have our preparation, not God's preparation in our life. We didn't prepare for this. And they turn and they say this to Jesus. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these, if these voices were silent, if these people were silent, the very stones themselves would cry out. The creation itself would recognize. Because you see, Jesus spoke the entire world into being. And God the Father has had a plan he's been preparing since the beginning of everything that is. And, and now Jesus is looking at him, and he's saying, no, listen, don't you get it? I know you have a perspective. I know you have expectations. I know you've prepared for something. But listen, I've got something new. God has a different set of plans. And your old ways are not going to work. So let me, let me just tell you, if you stay with them, you're going to get bypassed. Now, that's where we usually end the story, isn't it? Usually we end the story right there. But can I tell you, that wasn't the end of the Palm Sunday parade. No. The Palm Sunday parade ended with Jesus in tears. Not, not because of these men, these Pharisees. No, it, it ended with Jesus in tears 
Because when he drew near to Jerusalem, well, here's what he said. When Jesus drew near and saw the city of Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, Jerusalem, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and you and your children within you and they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. The Palm Sunday parade ended with Jesus looking at a group of people who were so convinced they were right that they couldn't see God at work and saying, my heart weeps for you. Shortly after I moved from Daytona Beach here, probably about six months or so, I got a, a letter from Carol. It was scribbled in some of the worst handwriting I've ever tried to decipher. And when I opened it, there was a $10 bill in it. And the letter said this, Pastor Kerry, I was sick on your last Sunday at Whitechapel Church, and I couldn't come to your going away party. I know the church people took an offering for you and your family, and, and for all you have done for me, I just wanted to give you this and let you know that the church still loves me even though you're gone. It's nice. And my friend, and she called the name of the first grade teacher, and her friends, they help me when I need help. So Pastor Carrie, keep telling people about Jesus and just know that I'm okay. Your friend, Carol. And I have to tell you, I didn't even have to open the letter or look at the return address when it showed up here at the church because it smelled of the cheapest perfume I've ever smelled in my life. My friends, God changes perspective. My prayer is that he's changing yours. And if you're with us today on campus or online, if you're as broken as Carol when her husband put her on the side of the road two hours from home and said, don't come back, or if you're as broken as a career teacher who's frustrated that somebody's in the way of her plans, if you're somebody on the side of the road waving palm branches, but you don't really believe that Jesus is the Messiah, or if you're a, a closet Pharisee who's got it all figured out and it all has to be the way you say it has to be, you need to know Jesus weeps over you. And he loves you. And this morning, what he wants to do he wants to give you his amazing.
amazing grace. And he wants to bring hope in you. And so if you're on campus with us today, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're online with us, I'm going to ask you to really focus in. Because we're going to sing a song. A song that originally was a remake of an old hymn. But now the song itself is old. And most of us know it. And whether you know it or don't, I want you to, to sing these words along with Michael and the vocal team and let them settle into your spirit so that this Palm Sunday you will discover that Holy Week, Holy Week is all about grace. And I'm praying that you experience it this year. Let's sing together.
Would you pray with me? Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to change our perspective. Thank you for a donkey colt and two disciples. Thank you for cloaks on the road and palm branches waving. Thank you for shouts of Old Testament prophecy. Most of all, thank you for the grace that you demonstrate to us. And Lord, this week, this holy week, allow us to experience that grace, to know your mercy, your love for each one of us. Teach us to to smile where you smile, to laugh where you laugh, to weep where you weep, to mourn where you mourn, to comfort as you comfort, and to live as you would have us live. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. We're so glad that you have joined us this morning for Palm Sunday, this wonderful celebration of Jesus being the king entering into the city. And thank the Lord that uh, Jesus enters in as king for each of us in the middle of whatever we might find ourselves in today. And I hope we all have been able to celebrate that and experience that in a deep way. As this is the start of Holy Week, I want to encourage you to set your eyes towards Jesus this week, whatever that looks like for you and your walk with him. Um, I know we have some wonderful opportunities around here that I would encourage you to be a part of. As I said before, uh, Maundy Thursday is this Thursday at 6 p.m. We're going to have a wonderful experience of the Passover meal, uh, the celebration of the Lord's Supper where Jesus uh, redefined that Passover celebration um, for us even today. And so I hope you can join us if you're in the area here on campus for that experience. It's going to be a great time uh, together. Also, you have one more week uh, to dive into those Discover Hope uh, devotions daily in your email inbox. If you'd like to sign up for that, you can fill out that link both on Facebook or Church Online in the chat, or you can go to the resources tab on the church website, and there's a place where you can get those um, as well. Also, if you're somebody who's got questions about what it looks like to journey with Jesus or perhaps prayer requests that you'd like us to be lifting up uh, with you during the season, I'd encourage you to fill out that Connect form. Um, and you can uh, there uh, submit prayer requests, questions, or even um, ask uh, more about how to get involved here at Eastside. Uh, whatever the case may be, I hope that you're not alone. I hope you know that we are here to journey with you, that we care about you, that we love you, and uh, yeah, we're praying for you even today. Uh, whatever the case may be, it's good to be together, and we will look forward to seeing you all for Easter next Sunday. Have a great week.